Hello, I want to welcome you to the Point Church Alberta Campus Sunday Preaching Podcast. My name is Josh Heisler, and I'm the Alberta Campus Pastor. We strongly believe in the expositional preaching of God's Word, which works to build our faith and grow us up in Christ. Our prayer is that this message will be a help to you on your journey of faith. Now join us as we get to the point. It is good to be here with you, opening up the Word. It's always an honor and a privilege to do so. Uh, just want to thank you for braving that cold winter weather we're having outside to come to church this morning. Um, you know, it's Christmas time, but it sure does not feel like it. Uh, we were out at the Christmas parade last night getting bitten by mosquitoes and all sorts of bugs, and it just doesn't feel like Christmas time. But we are in this season of Advent, and we are uh, looking at Christ's first time to come to this earth. And a few weeks ago, we looked at the hope that we have in Christ. Then last week, we looked at the love that we have in Christ, and today... We're going to be looking at the joy that we find in Christ. So I'm not going to be reading uh, the passage for today, which is Isaiah 9, uh, 1 through 7, since we've already read that this morning in its entirety. Uh, but I want you to have your uh, finger there in your Bible, or you can follow along on the screen as we go. Uh, but before we get started this morning, will you pray with me um, as we get going? Lord, we thank you for the opportunity that we have to be in your presence to lift up your name with fellow believers and to open up your word. Lord, we thank you for the truth that we find in it. Lord, we thank you for the guidance that we find in it. Lord, we all have questions, but Lord, we know where to find the answer and that is in you. So Lord, today I pray that as we are diving into your word, Lord, that you would show us yourself. Lord, that you would reveal things about yourself to us so we can have a better understanding of you. Lord, we love you, and we praise you for all that you do and all that you're going to do. We pray these things in your name. Amen. So back in August of 2010, Chile's San Jose mine collapsed, and it entrapped 33 men below the surface of the earth. And that happened because a block of diorite twice the weight of the Empire State Building had blocked the exit ramp. Now, this made world news headlines, and the outcome for those miners, it was not looking good. Many of them, they turned to religion as a source of strength in that time, and they would gather up, lock hands, and pray with one another. Some of the men, as the food supply started to dwindle and the headlamps started to go out, they became depressed and lethargic. Others became irritable, and I feel like I'd be in that camp too if my food supply would run out. I'd be irritable as well. But still, they had hope. Hope that somebody was going to be able to save them. And you know, back at the surface, a plan was already in motion to save them. A plan to save those men from the deep, dark mine that they were trapped in. That is, if the men had survived at all. If they had survived that initial collapse. You know, many friends and family members, they were worried that when they got down there, all they would find was the remains of their loved ones. But nevertheless, they began to drill. And as that drilling got closer and closer, the hope of those men, it grew. Because they knew that somebody was making an effort to save them. And finally, a six-inch hole was made in that block of diorite. And they got a glimpse of light. Through that six-inch hole, they were given nutritional gels and love letters from the ones that were waiting for them at the surface. 
They were given books, full meals, and even got a telephone connection down there so they could hear the voices of the ones that they loved. However, they knew that it was going to take some time. They were only about 17 days in at this point. So the drilling operation, it continued, but they knew that they were going to be set free eventually. And after 69 days trapped inside of the mine, all 33 men were rescued. You know, I can't imagine the joy that they must have felt when they got that first full breath of fresh air. When they saw the faces of the loved ones who had been patiently waiting at the surface for them. The ones who had been waiting for this moment where they could embrace each other and tell each other face to face how much they had missed them, how much they had loved them. And you know, as I was reading the story this week of these miners and their families, I couldn't help but think about how all of us at some time or another have been trapped in darkness. It may not be the physical kind of darkness like these miners were trapped in, but we have all faced darkness. Maybe it's dark times in our lives. Maybe it's just dark days where it seems like there is no hope, where it feels like the love of God is far away, where it feels like there is no joy no matter how hard we try. We've all been there, but let me tell you today, there is love, there is hope, there is joy in Christ. And today, as I've already been praying this week, I hope that you see that the only way to have true joy and the only way to be set free out of the darkness of our sin is through Jesus Christ and what He came to do for us. So the first thing that we need to see today is that sometimes joy comes after darkness. And we looked at the story of these miners. And we saw that they were in darkness for a time, but then they were rescued from that darkness. And they had joy when that happened. And as we look into our passage today, we see somewhat of a similar thing. But before we get into that, one thing that we need to note before we get into this, just to give us a little context about what's going on here. Listen to this. God is faithful to us even when we aren't faithful to Him. I know that I have been reminded of that time and time and time and time and time and time again in my own life. There have been times where I know that I've let God down, but God has never let me down. And the same is true for the children of Israel. They did things to rebel against God all the time, but God showed His faithfulness to them time and time and time and time again. So back to what we're here to talk about. In verse 1, we see Zebulun, Naphtali, and Galilee all mentioned. In these places, they were in the far northern region of Israel's territory, and every single time that the Assyrian army would come through, they would leave a trail of death and destruction and decimation behind them. They were more than likely the people of these regions asking, what did we do to get picked on like this? What, why is this happening? What can we do to catch a break? Does God even care what's happening to us? And is there even anything that He can do to help us? And if we're being honest with ourselves this morning, which I hope that we are, we've all asked similar questions ourselves. We've asked questions like, why did I lose my job? Why is my marriage struggling? Why am I sick? Why is my child sick? Does God even care about my situation? In those times, it feels like joy is distant. It feels like it's just a thought that can never be attained. And you know, I would imagine it was like that for those people who were living in Naphtali and Zebulon. But 
Our passage today in verse 1 tells us that the gloom and the anguish that they're experiencing, it won't last forever. And as we continue into verses 2 through 5, we see that God's purposes and God's plans are far better than our own. So look at me with, verse, or with me at verse 2. It says, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. So in this place where there was darkness, despair, death, gloom, anguish, what this verse is saying to the people who were living there and the people who have suffered and to us is that joy is coming. Joy is just on the horizon. Where once there was darkness, there will be great light. And that light came to this earth in the form of Jesus Christ. And you know, one thing that we need to think about as we're reading this is where did most of Jesus' ministry take place? Near Galilee. It was near this place where there was once great darkness, but now there is great light. Light, And we see over in the book of Matthew, we see Jesus' ministry begin, and it talks about this very verse in chapter 4 of Matthew in verses 15 through 17. It says, The land of Zebulun and Naphtali, the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. And for those dwelling in that region in shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. And from that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So the people who had originally heard this message, back 700 years before Jesus was born, they never got to see this promise come to fruition in their lifetime but they had hope that it would happen eventually. They had hope that their joy would come from the Lord, and it did. But it was in God's timing and not theirs. A lot of times we try to take matters into our own hands, and we try to make things happen now. But God's timing is always better than our timing. And as we look at verses 3 through 5, we see what results from the light coming to overthrow the darkness. Read this with me. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest. And they are glad when they divide the spoil for the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder. The rod of his oppressor you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the tramping warrior in battle, tumult, and every garment rolled in blood we burned as fuel for the fire. You know, the people, they were going to rejoice because their time of bondage and slavery would be over. You know, the children of Israel, they knew bondage and slavery all too well. They knew it like the back of their hand. The stories had been passed down of what the people had gone through in order to get where they are. And for us today, we know slavery all too well. Slavery to sin. Because we struggle with the shame and the guilt and the regrets of our past. We're bound by those things, and it seems like there's no way out, but there is because of what Christ has done. We also see in these verses that the oppression of war will be destroyed. This means that there is joy in the peace that Christ provides us. 
And I'm, I'm not going to spend a lot of time today talking about peace because we're going to talk about that more next week. But just as we know our bondage to sin, we know warfare as well because there is a spiritual war going on for our hearts and for our minds today. There are things that are pulling us all different directions, things that are closing in on us. There's a warfare. There's war going on for us, for our souls. But we can have joy today because we already know the outcome of that battle. We already know that Christ wins and Christ reigns. So sometimes joy comes after darkness. Joy may not always come in the timing that we think it should, but we know that God's timing is far better than our own, and He is faithful even when we aren't. He knows what's best for us. He knows exactly what we need and when we need it, and just when it seems like all is lost. A light shines into the darkness, and we rejoice because of what the Lord has done on our behalf. The second thing that I want us to see today is that joy only comes through the person and work of Jesus Christ. Oftentimes, we try to find joy in the things of this world. As we are approaching Christmas time, I can't help but to reminisce back to when I was a child and Christmas time would come up and I'd start to see more and more presents with my name on, on them under the tree and I'd just get excited. I'd be like, hey, it's on this year. I got it. I know I've got exactly what I want under there. So Christmas morning would come and my parents, they would divvy out the gifts to myself and my sister and we would start tearing into them like a bunch of wild animals. And what happened? We'd open up the gift and we'd be excited because, hey, they actually looked at my Christmas list. They they saw what I wanted, and they got it for me. But then, after a little while, you either get tired of the gift, or the battery runs dead, or it breaks, and you're disappointed. And that's the thing with stuff. It's going to let you down because it's cheaply made, and it's not built to last. But the older I got, and the more that my relationship with Christ grew, I realized that, my joy didn't come from stuff. My joy came from Christ and what He's done for me. It wasn't in whatever I unwrapped on Christmas morning. It wasn't in whatever clothes I was wearing, whatever phone I had at the time, whatever it was. It didn't come from that stuff. It came from Jesus Christ, who He is and what He has done for me. So as we continue in our passage today, I want us to look at that truth that joy only comes from the person and the work of Jesus Christ. So would you take a look with me at verse 6 as we continue on and see this today. So we're just going to look at the first part of it for right now. It says, For to us a child is born. I always want to say, For unto us a child is born. Uh, to us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. Can we just pause here at the first part of verse 6? For to us a child is born. Think about that. It doesn't say that a strong and a powerful king is coming. It doesn't say that a mighty warrior is coming to kill everybody and make things right. No, it says a child is born. A child is born. The Lord doesn't work in the way that man works. And I'm glad for that because I know I messed up, all, uh, messed up stuff up all the time. And I, I know that y'all do too. All right, we're, we're, we're in a safe space. We can admit that, that we mess up like I just did. But God works 
in far better ways than we can. God's way of deliverance, it was through a child. And don't miss that word given. This child, he's a gift from God. And he's the greatest gift that anyone, anywhere, at any time could ever receive. He's a gift from God. And as we look at the second part of this verse, or second part of the first part of this verse, it says the government shall be upon his shoulder. I don't know about you, but this part used to confuse me. So I went and I found some people who are way smarter on the subject than I am. And I'm going to read to you what they had to say about this. So I was uh, reading this week in a few commentaries that I have, and I came across the critical and explanatory commentary on the whole Bible. And here's what they had to say inside of that commentary about the government being upon Jesus' shoulders. It said, The insignia of office used to be worn on the shoulder in token of sustaining the government. Here, the government on Messiah's shoulder is in marked antithesis to the yoke and staff of the oppressor on Israel's shoulder. Now, listen to this part. This is the part that really drove it home for me. He shall receive the kingdom of earth from the Father to vindicate it from the misrule of those to whom it was entrusted to hold it for and under the Most High, but who sought to hold it in defiance of His right. The Father asserts His right by the Son, the heir of all things who will hold it for Him. It's a long story short. This child that was foretold, He is coming to make things right. He's coming to take care of things that man was entrusted to take care of, but we fell short, just like we do in every single way. Christ is coming to make things right because we can't make things right on our own. And as we continue in this verse, we see a list of names that is given to this child that is to be born. So would you continue with me? His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. These four names, they show the child's royal nature. They show that this child is a gift of God. He is God coming to earth. So let's start with that word, wonderful. This word, it usually means that something is beyond human comprehension when we see it in the Bible. It's used here sort of in the same way that it would be used if you were talking about signs and wonders. But, you know, when you couple that word wonderful with that word counselor, it shows that this child that is coming is the ultimate source of guidance. The title of counselor is given to God in Psalm 16, 7 when it says, I will bless the Lord who counsels me. Even at night when my thoughts trouble me. Romans 11.34 says, For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? And the answer to that question is nobody has been his counselor because he knows all and he knows the best way. And then we get to the title of Mighty God. Horsley translates this to God the Mighty Man. God in the flesh dwelling among men. And you know, back in Isaiah 7, just a couple of chapters before this chapter, uh, we saw that Isaiah had already prophesied that there would be a child born of a virgin and that she would call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So the mighty God of heaven was coming down to earth to dwell as a man, yet he wouldn't lose his divinity. He would be 100% God and 100% man. And we see Yahweh referred to as a mighty God later on in the book of Isaiah. 
In chapter 10, verse 21, when it says, A remnant will return, the remnant of Jacob, to the mighty God. And then we get to that third title that the Lord has given here. Everlasting Father. Now, if you're just reading this, um, or maybe you don't have a firm grasp on the idea of the Trinity being the God, or the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, three in one, that's what makes up God. This can seem like a little bit of a paradox because we're calling a child who is yet to be born an everlasting father. But one thing that we know about Jesus is that he has always been and he always will be. And if we look forward to the book of John, we see Jesus himself making that connection to the father when he says that if you have seen me, you have seen the father. And you know, the rulers of this earth, they only last for a little while. They rule, they get old, and then like the rest of us, they die, all right? But this child that is promised, he will reign forever, he will bless forever, and he will bring joy forever to the nations for all of eternity. And then we finally get to this fourth title that is given to the child, and it is Prince of Peace. If you will flip back with me to Hosea chapter 2, verse 18, where we see a promise of the Lord. It says this, I will make for them a covenant on that day with the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens, and the creeping things of the ground. And I will abolish the bow, the sword, and war from the land. And I will make you lie down in safety. For the people of Israel, they were looking forward to a day of peace. They were looking forward to the joyful days when the wars would come to an end. You know, there were princes and there were rulers of earth that were always causing trouble. They were always stirring the pot. They were always starting battles and fights, but not this prince who was to come. He would be the prince of peace. This doesn't just mean that the fighting stops. This doesn't just mean that the battles are over. This means that the conflict that started those wars and those battles, those conflicts would be resolved once and for all. It would all be put back the way it's supposed to be. And I know I'm ready for a day of peace too. Whenever the battles that are being fought in my mind and my heart will come to an end. Whenever that constant struggle of pleasing God and pleasing myself whenever that war is over. And I can face my Savior and know that I have peace. I'm looking forward to a day of peace. And you know, when Jesus came to this earth about 700 years after this was written, after this prophecy was written, He lived a life that was up to those titles He was given. He came as a child like it was foretold. He was a wise teacher. He performed signs and wonders. He loved people who others thought weren't worthy of love. And he spoke humbly and he brought a message of hope, love, joy, and peace to a world that was desperate to hear it. But most importantly of all, Jesus never sinned. He never messed up in the way that we mess up every single day. He never had that struggle that we have because he was divine. He was without sin. He faced temptation, yet he resisted it. And even though he did nothing wrong, 33 years after that birth that was foretold, he was put to death. 
You know, earlier this morning, uh, I told you the story of those miners in Chile who were trapped underground and they were without hope and they were without joy because they were trapped in darkness. I told you that on the surface, there was a plan that was put into motion to rescue them from their pit of despair. I have good news for us today. God did the same thing for you and me. But his plan for saving us meant that he sent Jesus, his only son, to live a life that we couldn't live and to die a death that we most certainly deserved. But then after he was killed, three days after that, he would raise from the dead and he would defeat sin and death once and for all so that we can have life in him. And that's why we can have joy at Christmas because joy only comes from the person and the work of Jesus Christ. It's not found in what we have or what we do or what people think of us. Our joy is found in Christ. So as we wrap up today, I want us to close by reading the truth that we see in verse 7. It says, Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Alberta, Jesus is on the throne today. He is just and He is righteous. He's the source of our strength and He is the source of our hope. He's faithful to us even when we aren't faithful to Him and that is why we can have joy this Christmas. Because of Jesus Christ and what He came to this earth to do. Will you pray with me? Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast from The Point Church. If you would like more information about our church, or if you have any questions, you can find us online at tothepoint.church.